Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Tonight, we are, are privileged, and we've been trying to get Sister Lisa Peretic from Pittsburgh. Um, we don't really hold that against her, her um, hometown of, of, you know, out there in Pennsylvania. We don't really hold that against her. I'm struggling to say the, but uh, we love her. We know that, that God places people everywhere, and sometimes right in the middle of all kinds of hell, right? And that's where she's at. We've been praying and believing you know, the Lord would bring some light to that dark state. So, um, uh, so, but we've been trying to get her to Haven to minister for a long time now. And it, it happened that, uh, that tonight she was able, she was able to, to be here. She's also uh, preparing a team to go, uh, I believe, to Guatemala, Honduras. It's central, they're all the same, right? Somewhere there in Central America. I'm teasing, it's a joke. Wow, gosh, tough crowd tonight. Um, so she's, uh, preparing a team to go to Honduras. She'll share a little bit about that. And, uh, she's going to minister the word. Uh, some of you are like, oh my goodness, she's a woman. She's going to minister the word. And so, um, not because she's a, um, a, yeah, I'm not going to go there. All right. So we're excited to have this woman of God, this powerful woman of God who is, who has heard her marching orders and is walking, um, walking in the plan uh, of God, uh, undaunted by culture, um, uh, not, not uh, spinning. She's not out here. I just need a man. I just need a man. The Lord would just send me a man, right? She's running after God with all of her heart, and whatever the doors that are God's are open, she's running through them, right? And uh, and somebody's going to catch up, right? And so uh, we're thankful for her life, for the testimony of her life, for her heart, and we are honored and privileged to have her bring the word tonight. Can you put your hands together for Sister Lisa Peretic as she comes uh, to deliver the word tonight? <clears throat> Amen. Well, it is so good to be here tonight. I really appreciate um, the opportunity to minister, and I just love Haven in general. Even if I'm not the one behind the pulpit, I remember the first time I came, I think it was when I was at Missions Boot Camp, like forever ago, and um, it was a little different for me at the time, because I come from a very conservative church circle and when we came in here and all the lights were down, I was like, this is going to be like, I don't know what this is going to be like. <laughs> but okay, you know, you know, and I'm pretty chill about things. And uh, I, was, I was really impressed with what I saw. And I was really impressed with uh, Pastor Matt and Sister Jess and everybody who is involved here. I just want to say thank you so much for um, the investment that you make into lives every single day inside this building and outside of this building. It doesn't go unnoticed, and um, like I said last night, I hope that more people and more churches will catch the vision to do something for the kingdom of God and who are willing to 
set aside all of their preconceived notions and and thoughts and attitudes and just do the will of the Lord. And so I appreciate each one of you all. And uh, as Pastor Matt was saying, um, praise God, I'm not leading a team (laughs) to Honduras. Um, If you don't know much about me, I work at a Bible school, and I love that job. I love being able to teach and to invest in the next generation of young men and women. Um, But over the past, since 2015, um, I have been leading teams of students to different destinations on missions trips. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. I'm very thankful that I get to do that. But it is a lot of work to organize a group of people and make sure that everybody has opportunities to minister and everybody's involved. And, you know, you kind of get to be on the back burner on those things. And um, the Lord really just, I've always wanted to take a, a personal missions trip where I just get to go and be free to minister and, you know, not have to worry about this person and that person and making sure everything is put together. And so the Lord has opened a door for me to go to Honduras. I've been there eight times, and um, Honduras is a very special place in my heart. The people there, um, the host missionaries that are there. So I will be there. I'm leaving a week from tomorrow, and I will be on the mainland of Honduras for two weeks with uh, Brother Allen and Sister Paula Sumner. Brother James and Sister Melissa Persinger are also missionaries there, and we'll be doing a lot of Uh, work at military and police bases. They hold services basically for the entire Honduran military and police force, and it's a great ministry that they have, and so we'll be going to different bases and presenting the gospel. Um, We are planning to hold a one-day women's conference there at the church, and I have been able to, uh, you know, kind of invest a lot into those young ladies in the church, and I've Got to see them grow up, and I really want each one of them to find their place and their value in the kingdom of God. So we will be doing that, and there's also children's ministry opportunities, a lot of different things. And then um, the last week that I'll be there, I'll be going to the island of Roatan, which is off the um, coast of Honduras, and that's where Brother Trawick is and his daughter and son-in-law and they have a work there. I've never been there before, and I'm really excited about that opportunity. It'll be a lot of the same thing there, minus the military and police services. We will be doing some jail ministry while we're there, so I would just appreciate your prayers for um, wisdom and direction of the Holy Ghost. I want to be a blessing. I want to invest into that work and just be an encouragement there. So if you would like some more information, I have some stuff set up out there. There's a couple prayer cards. There was some free Honduran coffee, but the crowd last night took that. So I'm sorry. Should have brought more. Um, But Honduras has some of the best coffee in the world. And so if you ever go there, make sure you go to Espresso Americano. It's one of the best. But I'd appreciate your prayers. And um, if you want to keep up with me, my social media is um, on those prayer cards, and you can, trust me, I will post lots of pictures, okay? I'll probably drive you nuts. You're going to be sick of me by the end of the trip, but um, I'm thankful for what God has done. And so tonight, um, I had something a little different on my heart, and I got the text at 9 a.m. this morning asking me if I would speak tonight. I was like, okay. And so I was praying, and I was, you know, trying to think of, you know, of what what the Lord would have me to share tonight, and I had a couple of different things on my heart, 
and the Lord spoke pretty clearly to speak about this subject. So it might be a little different tonight, but I hope that you are challenged and I hope that the Lord speaks to you. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about service and the importance of servanthood. Um, there are some tasks that I think we all have that we don't enjoy doing. There's, all, there's things that maybe you like to do, maybe things that you don't like to do. Um, I have discovered over the course of about 10 years working at youth camps in the summertime, particularly in the concession stand, that I hate the smell of water when it hits hot nacho cheese. And I know it's a very specific thing to say, but um, there is something about that smell. It's the worst smell in the world. I don't know if you've ever cleaned a crock pot that has hot nacho cheese in it, but it is awful. It is so bad. I hate that job. I'll do it, but I hate it. And then I know some people, they can't stand to touch, you know, silverware that has been in someone's mouth, and there is saliva and chewed up food. I hate that job too. Some people hate vacuuming. Some people hate, you know, uh, cleaning toilets. Some people, there's all kinds of tasks that we absolutely hate. And then beyond tasks, there are some things that we don't like to do. And there are some things that we won't do because we don't feel like we're called to that. Um, we had somebody tell our dean of women several years ago that they couldn't help with cleanup because they were called to sing. I hope that's not your attitude here tonight. But some people feel like because they aren't called to pastor or because um, maybe they feel called to a specific ministry or they feel like they're not called to specific ministry, that they are not required to serve in the house of God. And sometimes there are certain people that we feel like we don't have to serve. Maybe, you know, I don't know about you, but if somebody treats me bad, I don't want to serve that person. If somebody has, you know, historically just not been nice, not been kind, um, you know, if they themselves are selfish and unwilling to serve, I can't stand lazy people. I just can't, man. It grinds my gears to be somewhere and see, like, three people doing all the work, and then everybody else is like, somebody like, oh, look at you. You know, you're working. You're doing all the It's like, why don't you quit commenting and start helping, okay? And so we've got, we've got struggles sometimes. <laughs> we got struggles sometimes serving other people. And what about people of other religions or other ethnicities? How many times are there barriers that shouldn't be there that we put up that will prevent us from serving like we should? And the concept of serving somebody else can be very, very conditional. I'm only going to serve if it's something I will get credit for. I'm only going to serve if Pastor Matt mentions me from the pulpit afterwards and says, thank you for serving at this. Or, you know, I'm only going to serve if it suits my skills and interests. I'm only going to serve if it's something that I feel like I want to do. Or I'm only going to serve if you'll serve me back. I'm only going to serve if you treat me the way that I feel I deserve to be treated. But you and I as Christians, we are called to a life of service. And in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it reminds us that we are to be of the same mindset that Christ did. You know, it amazes me that the very God of heaven allowed his son 
to condescend and humble himself to the level of humanity that he would come and die for our sins coming and being born in a lonely manger and being the servant that he was to each and every one of us and through the life and ministry of jesus he sets forth a pattern of service that we are to look at and we are to emulate with everything that is within us and if you want to be turning to matthew chapter 20 verses 25 through 28 Matthew chapter 20, 25 through 28, and uh, to give you a little bit of background on this, because we're kind of jumping in in the middle of the, the passage here, the mother of James and John has come to Jesus, and she says, you know, Lord, would you give my two sons a position in the kingdom? Would you let them sit at your right and left hand? And then the other disciples hear about that, and they start murmuring. And it's funny because if you read in other passages in the Bible, they're doing the same thing where they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. But Jesus comes along and um, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, he says, But Jesus called unto them and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, the world has an opposite view of what true greatness is. According to the world, your greatness is based on the title that you hold or the position that you have. But true greatness in the kingdom of God is dependent upon your service and your heart towards service. Now, the king of kings, he came to the earth not to sit upon a throne and have everybody fall down and worship and feed him grapes and fan him and all of that stuff. But he came with the mindset that I'm here to serve my father has sent me to serve and to do his work and to accomplish his will. And he lived that life of humble service, setting that example for us. And if you look at the life of Jesus and the compassion, it always just grips my heart, the compassion that Jesus showed and his, his acts of service to people who absolutely did not deserve it. And the first one was the lepers. Now, leprosy is not a, you know, a common sickness. It's still a disease that's in the world today. But in that time, if you had leprosy, that was basically it for you. You were unclean. Nobody could come near you. Everyone had to stay back from you. And you had to run around. Well, not run around, but you had to go around saying unclean, unclean, unclean. And everybody knew, stay away. You had to live outside of the town. You had to live in a leper colony, and you were untouchable in society. But if you look at the ministry of Jesus, specifically examples that are given, Luke 5, 12 says that there was one who came to him, and he said, Lord, if you will, thou canst make me clean. 
And Jesus doesn't look at the leper and say, no, 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 you're unclean. I can't touch you. You come from, you know, a place where I'm not supposed to go. I mean, this is the one who has never known any uncleanness in his life. This is the holiest person that has ever walked the face of the earth. And if there's anyone who is undeserving of service, it is a leper. But Jesus does not turn him away. He doesn't turn his back on him. But if you look at that passage, it says he reaches out and he touches him. Something that likely no one had ever done for years. He reaches out and he touches him and he makes him whole. He was willing to serve somebody who was labeled unservable in that time. And then the Samaritans. Okay, there's a lot of animosity between Jews and Samaritans in the time of Jesus. Whenever the Assyrians had come and um, had taken over that ten northern tribes of Israel, um, there was um, a group that came and resettled that area, and they intermarried with the Jewish remnant, and they developed this, you know, uh, twisted form of Judaism, and they claimed that they were the ones who, who were following the Lord the correct way, and there was so much animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews that the Jews would purposely go around, instead of taking the, the straight route, they would go all the way around just so they didn't have to go through Samaria. But in John chapter 4, what does Jesus do for the woman at the well? I must needs go through Samaria. There was something that compelled him to go where nobody else wanted to go, to a people that nobody else wanted to reach, to a people that nobody saw the value in. And he says, no, I have to go there because there's a woman who has had five husbands who does not know her value to the kingdom, who does not know the work of transformation that I can do. And out of love and compassion, he was compelled to go to her. What holds you back? Is it some preconceived idea? Is it a hurt in the past towards a family member or a certain group of people and someone in your neighborhood and you refuse to go and minister to them because of that preconceived idea? It ought not to be that way. There should be compassion. And he went out of his way that day and set an example for us. I'll go to the ostracized. I'll go to the least of these. I'll go to the person who will argue with me and tell me that, oh, I'm doing the right thing and you're not right. Jesus went and he ministered to her. And then there were the adulteresses and the tax collectors, the very clear sinners of that time. And when the, adult, the woman caught in adultery was brought to him, he could have let the Pharisees stone her. I mean, she was guilty of breaking the law. Absolutely. She'd been caught in the very act. They didn't punish the man, but she was caught in the very act. And so, But instead of casting that first stone at her and leading um, that judgment on her, he instead extended mercy and he commanded her to go and to sin no more. And he served all of those publicans and the tax collectors, even when the religious people of the time had something to say. 
And I know that there's a lot of people who have something to say about Haven and have something to say about different people who are involved in there. But I hope that you don't allow that to hinder you from the work that God has called you to do. Even if the rest of the church does not understand your vision or your burden and doesn't understand what you're doing, as long as you are walking in obedience to the will of God, do not let those people stop you. So many people sit back because of what someone says or what someone does. Don't let that. Follow the voice of the Lord because it's him that called you and it is him that has ordained the work. And as long as his hand is upon it, he will do it and he will perform the work. The Pharisees, they called him. I love they're trying to insult him and they call him a friend of publicans and sinners. But even the insult... Even the insult demonstrated the compassion of Jesus. So don't focus on what people say about you or your ministry or the thing that God has called you to do. Focus on being obedient and showing that compassion that God has put in your heart towards people. He had come to bring redemption to the lost and to the least. And it didn't matter what people had to say. He was about his father's business, fulfilling his will. And then Jesus set forth a pattern of service when he washed his disciples' feet. And if you know anything about New Testament times, if there was ever a demeaning act of service to perform, it was the washing of feet. They didn't have Yeezys. They didn't have, you know, something that covered your feet back in those days. They wore sandals or they went barefoot. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, they don't have sanitation systems like we do today. Everybody is riding around on a donkey. Um, you know, there's animals and trash everywhere. And by the end of your journey, your feet would be the most disgusting part. I mean, I think feet are still pretty disgusting today. You know, if you have a foot washing service at your church, I'm going to be slipping out the back. No offense. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, Foot washing during that time, it was a demeaning task, but it was customary that whenever you were invited to someone's house, somebody um, would offer at least a place for you to wash your feet, or if you were really the guest of honor, they would have a servant wash your feet. And this was the job of the lowliest slave. This was not the favorite. This was not the one who had been there for years and years, but this was the job done by a lowly slave. Nobody wanted to do this job. But on the night of Jesus' betrayal, he, Jesus, he washed his own disciples' feet and once again set forth a pattern for them. If you want to turn to John 13, 12 through 16. John 13, 12 through 16. It says, so after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And that night Jesus served all 12 of his disciples. 
by washing their feet. Not just the good ones. Not just the ones who didn't get on his nerves. But he washed every single one of their feet. And in that act of service, he is instructing his disciples that serving God is going to require you serving others. The servant is not greater than his Lord. That is something that we have got to keep in our hearts and our mind. That has to be the driving force of everything that we do for the kingdom of God. Because sometimes we get that mindset, like I said, I'm only going to serve if that person is worth serving. But Judas' feet got washed that night too. Judas, it was not worth it for Judas's feet to get washed. But Jesus did it anyway. And are you willing to serve somebody who will not be grateful, who will not say thank you, who will walk out the door and talk about you and gossip about you and run you down? Are you willing to still serve if that is the outcome of your service? Are you willing to constantly serve somebody who rejects your message, who abuses your kindness and compassion, who takes advantage? I don't know about you, but I hate being taken advantage of. I hate doing something for somebody and them just not even saying thank you. I mean, it's like, why should I ever do something for that person again? But that's what the heart of a servant does. Somebody who is being led by the Spirit and following the, uh, the example of Jesus and not how they feel and not, uh, not how they see. And then sometimes, and this one really, if you can't tell, a lot of things get under my skin. Um, but this attitude of let me come to church consistently so I can just be served. Every single time someone comes to church, there's never any service. There's never any giving. It is just, let me sit on a pew. Let me hear Pastor Matt preach. Let me just bask in the presence of the glory of God, and I'll come back again on Thursday, and I'm going to do it again. There is, okay, there's nothing wrong. We need to be in service. We need the fellowship. We need those times of blessing and encouragement. But if that's all that we ever do in the house of God. If it is all about me, you don't know the true purpose of serving and following after Christ. And I'm afraid, you know, we, we raise generations in church where all it is is just how can the church serve me? How can the church meet my needs? In reality, as a body of believers, we are to serve as Christ served. Somebody else needs to know that same joy and peace that you feel in the house tonight. If you felt the presence of God in here, that's not just for you. But that's for somebody out there who has never known peace. Somebody who has lived in an abusive household and has never known the security and the comfort of a family. The same joy and peace that you feel in this place, somebody else needs to feel. And guess how they're going to feel that? Through you taking it to them. And the church has got to stop putting themselves in this mindset where it just exists for me. And I'm going to, like the, the Levite and the priest, I'm going to walk by that hurting person and praise God I'm saved. Praise God I'm not hurt. Praise God I'm not wounded. Praise God I know the truth. But we've got to stop walking past hurting people. And not doing anything about it. 
Sometimes we have the mindset, I'm only going to serve um, the position if the position suits my talents and my interests. And a true leader, everybody wants the leadership position, but not everybody wants the service position that gets you there. But a true leader has a servant's heart. If you really want to serve in the kingdom of God, quit looking for something up here and start looking for a position at an altar. Start looking for a way that you can help serve at Fuse, even if it means you're not on the platform and you don't get to sing and you don't get to, you know, MC or host. If you really want to serve in the kingdom of God, no position and no task is going to be too small or menial for the kingdom of God. Um, a couple years ago, um, it, has, it has taken me years to get to the point where I am today in, in my comfort and my security in the call of God. I do not come from a church circle that allows or encourages women to be in the pulpit. And I can have that discussion with you at a different time. Um, but I don't even think it's you know necessarily intentional, but it's just a mindset that is there. And I love the churches that I'm a part of, and I love the people that I go to. But um, several years ago, um, I was at I something I do is I travel for the Bible school that I work at in the summertime, and I go to youth camps, and we try to recruit and represent the school. And a lot of those places, you're free labor, okay? Anything that they need, you do. And you hope, by the grace of God, they give you a chance to represent where you're working. And I remember one year, it was halfway through the summer. I was super tired. It was midnight, and I was cleaning some nasty tabernacle bathrooms. I mean, disgusting. And I was cleaning the bathroom, and I was getting a little upset and complaining to the Lord and I was like, why do I have to clean this stupid, disgusting, nasty bathroom when they're going to let these guys get up and represent and share their burden and do this? And all I get to do is clean the bathrooms. And I was kind of complaining to the Lord, feeling sorry for myself, throwing a pity party, which I should not have been doing. And I happened to have my phone on and music playing in the background. And lo and behold, Worthy by Eddie James comes on. And immediately, my heart just smote me. And I thought, you know, even if I don't get the opportunity that I think I deserve, God's worthy of my best effort cleaning the bathroom. If that's the only example and if that's the only representation that I ever get, God is worthy of that. And I hope that that will be your mindset because sometimes you are gifted and you are called to a certain capacity but maybe you're not at the point where God can really use you in that position. You might be gifted to sing, but are you able to rely on the Holy Ghost and not just your ability to move people's emotions? Are you in a position where you're going to rely on the Holy Ghost instead of just relying on enticing words of man's wisdom when you get behind a pulpit? Or will you learn to pray through until you have that demonstration of the Spirit? Sometimes you have to learn some things before you can be elevated into a position. And so are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing that if it means you have to do A, B, and C to fulfill your calling, are you willing to do A, B, and C even if it's something that you feel you're overqualified for? 
That's a humbling place to be. But it's something you have to learn. Are you in this thing for the title or are you in it for the master? If it's only about positions and if it's only about recognition, you have received your reward. But if everything that you do is done with the mindset that God has given me this opportunity and I'm going to steward it with all that I have and honor and please him, there will be a reward in heaven someday. And it's not about rewards. It's about serving the one who served us so mightily. And if you won't pick up the towel you don't deserve the title. You have to be willing to serve. God has a way of elevating you into a position whenever it is time. But learn the lessons because you need to. If you're ever going to make a difference in that position of leadership, you have to learn how to serve. And I want to encourage you to serve the least and the lost. Serve him in the menial tasks just as Christ did. Wash people's feet. As disgusting and annoying and how belittling some things may seem sometimes. If Jesus Christ wasn't too good to wash feet, you're not either. And Jesus' ultimate act of service was laying his life down for the sins of the world. You know, the very one who knew no sin became sin for us. When you think of what Jesus has done and accomplished on the cross, when you think about the eternal redemption that we now have access to because he condescended, because he humbled himself and he came as a servant, we have been reconciled. You know, sometimes I think our failure to serve as we ought is because we aren't truly grateful for what has been accomplished for us. But God has all saved us or kept us from something great. And the very least we can do is present our life in service to him. If Jesus washed his feet and he laid his life down for us, then we can live a life of service to him and others. If you have accepted Christ, you're not living for yourself anymore. You're not living for your own dreams. You're not living for your own pleasure, but you are living unto God. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, one of my favorite passages of scripture says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, it compels us, it causes us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him that died for them, which rose again. There's a purpose that comes through salvation. It is important, you know, for some people... Church is a club, and they just come, and they, ha and they have that label. But if you are truly transformed by Christ, you will be compelled to serve. You will be compelled to make a difference. You will be compelled to take the gospel to whoever God puts in your path. For some people, it's in your local community. It's in your job. For some people, it is going to the 42.6% of the world's population that does not have access to the gospel. But we are all called to serve. You're not saved to sit, but you are saved to serve him. We are all called to make disciples. And service requires recognizing there's a need and I have the capacity to step into that gap and make a difference. 
You don't always just, some people sit there, well, I just, I don't know what I can do in the house of God, you know, the worship team's full. That's what I always wanted to do. Okay, but what else needs to happen? I'm sure that Pastor Matt would love if you just came up to him and said, I would love to be a part of going and ministering. God's laid this on my heart. I'd like to just go and take a team and go to a high school and invite people to church. I'd love um, to come alongside. I'd love to clean the church. I'd love to organize the next Haven event. You know, whatever you could do to take the load off of their shoulders and serve. Do it well. And there is never to be a neglecting of spiritual preparation when it comes to serving. Stephen is a mighty man of God in the book of Acts. And he doesn't have a position on the platform, even though the platform didn't exist at that time anyway. Okay? The apostles were running into a problem because widows were being neglected in the daily ministering. And they needed someone to come along. They had other responsibilities. God had put them there for a specific uh, purpose, and they had to focus on that. And so what does God do? He raises up seven men full of the Holy Ghost to serve these widows. Probably one of the most menial tasks you could have done in the church, taking care of all these women who don't have husbands anymore, and they're probably grouchy and complaining, and everyone is sick and has an ailment, and I'm sure there were some who weren't thankful. But these men, these seven men, needed the same Holy Ghost to preach as they did to serve. They needed the same anointing to serve, even in the menial tasks. And Stephen was not only skilled, I mean, he had a gift for what he did, I'm sure. He was not only skilled at what he did, but he was also full of the power of God. And in that daily ministration, no doubt, there were opportunities to perform miracles. There were opportunities to heal There were opportunities to cast out demons. There were opportunities to minister on more than just a practical level. And sometimes when we get stuck in those, um, you know, those menial tasks, we just shrug it off. I don't need to pray about this. I'm just sweeping the floor. I'm just plunging the toilet whenever it gets clogged. I'm just wiping off tables. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to do that because you never know who God will put in your path. And you never know what opportunity God will give you to minister. Even if it's not on the platform, you can have a one-on-one conversation. At that time where I was complaining about having to scrub toilets instead of getting, you know, to to speak and to encourage young people about the will of God, God would give me opportunities to have one-on-one conversations with girls about the call of God and about serving Him. And so you never know what doors God will open, even in the menial tasks that don't require the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Your practical service needs just as much anointing as your ministry in the pulpit or on the platform. And I hope we never have that attitude that the menial tasks don't require anointing. It is all worship. I know we've seen that graphic that's been going around. It is all worship if it is done in service to the Lord, no matter how significant you feel it is or isn't, if it's done to the master, it counts for the kingdom. Every act of ministry is a part of the mission of God working to establish his kingdom. We have a privilege to serve. Service is not a drudgery. Service is not something that we should be complaining about, but service is a privilege 
Just as Christ served, we get to serve. Just as the Holy Ghost moved through Jesus to meet the needs of people, that same spirit works through us. It is a privilege to reach out and touch the untouchable. It is a privilege to get to go to children that everybody else has written off, that everybody else has tried to medicate because they couldn't deal with them. It is a privilege to go where no one else can go because we have the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the answer to their needs. We're not going with man's wisdom, but we're going with the power of the Holy Ghost. And what is missing from their life, the things that they have been searching for, we have. We have the capacity to make a difference. And it might look a little different than what you thought. But what a privilege it is to wash the feet of people who have walked through times of brokenness, who have been stained by sin who have, as I said, been just written off as a lost cause, we have an opportunity to give them the grace. He's given you a capacity to serve. There are opportunities all around you. If you would begin to pray, I know God would reveal it to you. We have this mindset that God just hides his will from us all the time, but if you will ask questions, if you will do some research, if you will pray, That's how Nehemiah got his burden. He was comfortable in the palace. He was comfortable. He had a good job. Everything was going well. But there was a group of people who came back from Jerusalem. He didn't have to ask any questions. He could have kept living life as normal. But instead of just sitting back and letting somebody else deal with the problem, he said, what has to happen? What is going on? What is the report? And for some people, they're, they're willing to ask the questions. They're willing to see what the need is. And they'll get upset about it. You know, somebody needs to go fix that wall. Anybody see that wall over there? It needs fixed. You would think that somebody would fix that wall. Come on, fix that wall. And we get upset and we get angry. We get frustrated. But we never do anything about it. And so the church has to quit saying, you know, Lord, as I said last night, if you were here, quit sending Quit praying for God to send somebody else and start praying, God, send me. Put me in a position of service. Help me to see the need around me. Go to the Joshua Project and start looking at unreached people groups. Start asking questions to the people in your community. Start asking your children's pastors what the need is. There is a place of service for you in the kingdom of God. And every time someone steps out in service, there is an anointing that comes and you're not alone in it. You're not doing it because it sounds like a good idea. You're doing it because God has ordained for you to do it. And every time God ordains something, there is an anointing that follows. God's given you a capacity of ser- to serve, not just Pastor Matt. Not just somebody with an official position, but you. Whether you're the youngest or the oldest in here, God has given you a position, uh, an ability to serve. And he is just looking for vessels that will serve as his son did. And you're getting ready to um, have the Fuse event. I'm really excited to get to witness it. It's something that I have prayed for in the past, and I'm really excited to just get to see it, see it in action. But... How are you going to serve at Fuse? How are you going to minister to those people who are going to be there? What is your heart of compassion towards those people that have a need? 
God's looking to use you this weekend. I know there are some who do have official positions that they will be in. But even if you don't have that position, how can you pray? How can you make yourself available to if somebody comes and needs prayer, you can pray with them. You're not sitting there, well, Pastor Matt should have to go pray with them. Why not you? You're full of the Holy Ghost. You can go pray for them. God, the same spirit works through you. And so how are you going to make yourself available to the Lord? Are you going to become someone who intercedes in private, even if you're never in public? Are you going to become someone that serves in those menial tasks? Are you going to love the least, even when it costs you the most? God is giving you opportunities, and he sent his son to set forth that pattern of service for you and I. He was the example. And if it wasn't, if he was not too good to do those things, then neither are you and I. It is the least that we can do to present ourselves a living sacrifice and say, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever it is, I'll do it. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If we could all stand tonight, I hope that your heart has been challenged tonight, that you have or you will answer the call of service to the Lord. You have an opportunity this weekend to make an impact. And if those who are participating in Fuse, um, if you would come to the front and just line up across the front, if you have that official position, if you're on the worship team, if you're going to be greeting people, uh, I want you to come to the front. They have an official capacity to serve, and they need to be anointed like never before for this. This is an awesome opportunity to think of a public high school service where young people can feel the presence of God and find hope and healing. You just can't walk into that with a nonchalant attitude. You need a powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost. And the devil will come and he'll send fear and he'll tell you you're inadequate. He'll tell you that God's not going to move. He'll do everything he can to try to hinder you. But you have the grace and the strength of the Lord on your side. God has given you that opportunity to testify, Rosa. God has given each and every one of you the ability to make a difference this weekend. And I pray that you would be so anointed that every word that comes out of your mouth, whether it's greeting people or whether it's from an official position, that that life that you come in contact with would feel the love of Jesus Christ. And they would know that there's somebody who cares about them. Maybe you're up here and you're tired. I know what it's like to be tired. I know what it's like to be so frustrated thinking I've invested and I've served and I reap nothing. I know what it's like to be in that place and maybe you're on the cusp of that tonight and you're thinking, you know, if God doesn't do something great at Fuse, then, you know, whatever, I'm done, I'm quitting. But we need you. We need you to serve. And it's not always the most rewarding and we don't always see the benefit, but 
everything matters in the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you guys to completely dedicate yourself to this ministry. And then those of you who are on the outskirts, maybe you don't have an official position, but you can still serve. If it's with a smile, if it's for interceding on behalf of each one of these people, if it is with um, setting up or cleaning up, you can be anointed to make a difference. And I want the rest of us to, to come along behind, and I want you to pray for these, and then I want you to pray for yourself that you would make a difference, that you would have a heart to serve, that God would use you, that you would recognize the opportunities to wash the feet of people around you. Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, God. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, God. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.